Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Hopefully you got yourself a good hot cup of coffee or tea. Amen. Uh, And you're ready to dive into God's holy word. It's so good to be here today. God bless us with another day. Oh, I went outside this morning. The birds were chirping. They were singing. I don't know if they were having a concert or what, but they were all all together in a tree, just chirping it up and made me think about the scripture, which talks about how God created uh, trees. I think it was the mustard seed. He created a big tree that even birds could lodge in. And you see the birds lodging. And here we are in God's great creation story, Genesis chapter one. And we're working our way through. And I'm going to take the next three episodes and we're going to look uh, at Genesis 24 through 26. And we're actually going to step back and look a little bit previous to that as well. So let's just start at Genesis 1, verse 20. Uh, we'll start at verse 20. And this is uh, the beginning of the fifth day in Genesis 1:20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that they that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Those are the birds we spoke about last episode. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. In the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So clearly we could preach uh, and teach out of that block of text about the fish, which is what we're getting at today. But I'm going to go a little further here and read the next three verses, Genesis 1, 24 through 26. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so here we see this very important principle of God's commandment to man to have dominion over all of these great animals that he created. And that to me is really, really important for us to understand here today. Because if God wants us to have dominion over these creatures, right? If he wants us to have power over them, control over them, to enjoy them, then that shows God's preference for humankind, for mankind. It shows God's preference. It shows, uh, you know, that we should be bold and brave in what we're doing here on earth, that we should never really cower to some critter, you know, uh, that we should realize that God gave us dominion over them. If you have dominion over something or someone or, or some animal, that's a big deal. I mean, I always, and if you've been listening to the program, uh, for a while, I bring this up on occasion, the whale shark, the whale shark. 
uh, when we were meeting together uh, at, in our little church, we took a fellowship trip to Georgia Aquarium to see the fish and so forth. And really the standout attraction there is a whale shark. And I, I brought this up from the Georgia Aquarium website. I mean, you go there, you look at this, this, this whale shark, literally a whale shark, and you'll say to yourself, how on earth did that massive, massive, massive fish, for lack of a better word, end up in a tank? Like, how do you put that in a tank, right? Like, how do you tell that whale shark what to do? The whale shark is the largest fish in the world and the largest fish known to have lived on this planet. And I'll say that with an asterisk because uh, when you read the Old Testament, it speaks of, uh, uh, I think it's Leviathan and the you know, like fire breathing and so forth. And so certainly there was probably larger fish, but it's it's largest one that they know of. And again, you can go to Atlanta. I'm not being paid by the aquarium by any means, but you can go there, man. And I'm telling you, it will blow your mind that God made a fish this big. It does not fossilize well. And in life, uh, it is very difficult to weigh accurately. The largest accurately measured whale shark was 61 feet. Okay, if you know someone that's six feet tall, they are 10x the, the, the length. The average length uh, of a whale shark uh, would be 18 to 32 feet. So if you're looking at the other dimension, you have, uh, uh, you know, I guess, length and width. And so in this case, I think the length would be 61 feet and the width would be 18 to 32 feet. But that's just enormous. Even newborns can be 21 to 25 inches big. Think of a little tadpole compared to that. Uh, man, these whale sharks are just incredible. Uh, they, they are absolutely, they have 300 rows of teeth. Uh, man, I, I can't imagine what they eat and how much they eat. You can research all this on the aquarium website, but let me get to the bigger point. God made that whale shark. And so when you go there and you're in this room and it, like from floor to ceiling, there's this I don't know, acrylic wall that you stare at with this fish, whale shark fish is fly, you know, flying around. God made that. And God not only made the whale shark, he made man to have dominion over the whale shark. And again, I guess it's fitting. I use the largest fish there's known to man to give that example of even the largest fish that's known to man, we are to have dominion over. And somebody somehow, I don't know if they caught it as a baby. I don't know what they did. But someone somehow got that thing, that would be a documentary, how they got that into the tank. <laughs> you know, like that doesn't fit in the back of a little truck. Amen. All right, I, I got to keep going. Uh, but you get the idea. We are to have dominion over these animals. And we're going to talk as soon as we finish with the break about what that means and why God is worthy to be praised for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. Amen. Right back at you here. So what does it mean that we have dominion over animals? And I'm speaking of the fish again, what, what does that mean? You know, like how about get on a boat and you're out in the ocean, you know, and you're looking around and it's just so massive. And God's saying, have dominion over it right? Doesn't mean to abuse it. Okay. Doesn't mean like you look at some of the fishing methods where a, 
I think it's called uh, trolling or trawling, I don't know, or something like that, where they take a net and run it on the bottom of the water and pick up everything. You know, that maybe that's not a good idea. Uh, you know, maybe just, you know, pillaging all these animals, maybe um, making them suffer from all these plastics and microplastics, et cetera, is not a good idea. We're not to abuse God's creation, but we are to have dominion over God's creation. And what that means is God loves us so much. He's given us great responsibility. I mean, why did God create fish? Think of how we interact with fish in our lives. How about food? I'm always going to start with food. You know that. Food, right? Filet of fish. You have uh, roe, which are like the fish eggs. People eat that. Sushi. Uh, you have oil. Some of the, the well-known, I think it's salmon oil or omega something oil that comes from fish. It's supposed to be phenomenal for you. So for food, we have fish. And you have to think of if you're a poor person, like really poor, and you live near a body of water that's plentiful with fish, you bet you, bet you that you're going to be doing a lot of fishing. Amen. That's your protein. Uh, for medicine. You know, I don't know if you know this, but the horseshoe crab has blue blood and it can cost up to $60,000 a gallon. There is great medicine developed from the blood, the blue blood of a horseshoe. And that, I believe, is God's poetic nature, almost his humor. It's like, I'm going to take this ugly looking horseshoe and I'm going to put the blood in the horseshoe a crab that is going to, you know, do miracles for people and it's going to cost $60,000 a gallon. So medicine, we get medicine from fish. Pets, uh, Jenny, my daughter keeps wanting a dog, and I keep saying no, but a fish sounds okay. <laughs> uh, Sue is, I think, I had a few uh, errors feeding the fish in the past, but uh, I told Jenny we can get a fish. So for pets, amen, I think it's a great first pet. For nature, you know, for nature, how about their role in the ecosystem? More than one, uh, more than three 0.1 billion people depend on fish for at least 20% of their total animal protein intake. And further, 1.3 billion people for 15%. So people often really rely on fish. Fish consumption uh, by expectant mothers aids their children's neurodevelopment. Bet you didn't know that. Often undervalued parts of fish like the head and backbones make up 30 to 70% of uh, fish are, and are especially rich in micronutrients. Fish consumption has increased uh, a lot. I, I would say almost double since the 60s, the studies that I pulled uh, out said. Um, and half of the consumed fishery products derive from aquaculture. You know, a lot of people can farm fish and it's incredible. You get into that, man. You can look at how, uh, not just how you can farm fish, but how the fish and you have plants, I guess it's involved in hydroponic plants where you plant you have the plant on top of the water and the plant is feeding off of what the fish is doing and the fish is feeding off of what the plant's doing and you can do all these incredible things. Guess who designed that? Not man, God did. God designed that, amen. Fish in Easton's Bible Dictionary, the Hebrew's a word denoting great uh, fecunduity. Fecunduity. I'm sure I'm butchering that. And we're going to have to look at what that means, okay? Fecunduity, because it's in my notes. The ability to produce an abundance of offspring. Oh, fertile. <laughs> okay. So fish are very fertile. 
Uh, no fish is mentioned by name either in the Old or New Testament, but they abounded in the Mediterranean in the lakes of the Jordan. So Hebrews, no doubt, were acquainted with many species. The two of the villages on the shores of the Sea of Galilee derived their names from fisheries. Bethsaida, which means the house of fish, on the east and on the west. Uh, there is no, probably no other sheet of water in the world of equal dimensions that contains such a variety or profusion of fish. 37 different kinds have been found. Some of the fish fishes are of uh, a European type. Uh, others are African, tropical, even eels. Uh, there was a regular fish market in Jerusalem, as Second uh, Chronicles 33 points out, Nehemiah 3, Zephaniah 1. Uh, and we believe that Sidon is the oldest fishing establishment in known history. So biblically, fish are very relevant. They're very important. Uh, the disciples, right, were fishing. Some of them that were called, uh, they were fishing. The sons of Zebedee, amen, they were fishing. How about Jesus and his resurrected body? Uh, he, Peter sees him on the shore cooking up breakfast there. And what were they doing? They were fishing. So fishing was very important then. It's very important now. And it all relates back to God giving us dominion over the sea. God uses fish throughout his word to help us understand who he is. Jonah was swallowed by the fish, amen. Jonah 1, Jonah 2, and Matthew 12 mentions it. How about the loaves and fishes that Jesus fed all the multitudes with from Matthew 14, 15, Luke 5, and 9? Uh, how about the coin that Jesus asked for out of the mouth of a fish to pay that fee, that tax from Matthew 17? Uh, there was that great catch in Luke, Luke 5. And uh, if you watch the, the, the uh, Chosen documentary, or not documentary, Chosen uh, television show, they have a great rendition of that great catch. They'll give you chills if you watch that. And I don't know a lot about the show. I haven't seen a lot of it, but that particular clip was awesome. Um, Fish was furnished by the disciples, uh, by Jesus after his resurrection from Luke 24 and John 21. Uh, it's The fish is figurative in the Bible. Uh, amen. From Ezekiel. Uh, fish was used to show God's abundant blessing. Fish was used in prophecy. In the book of Numbers, fish was used. Fish was used when Jesus returned after his resurrection, as we talked about. Fish was used in dietary laws uh, in Leviticus as to what people can and can't eat from the sea. And by the way, some people like the Seventh-day Adventists still follow those rules. I And I don't hold me to it by the letter, but I believe they do uh, follow some of those dietary rules. That's why a lot of Seventh-day Adventists are vegetarian, uh, which again kind of lines up with Genesis as well. I could go on and on, but you're going to have to tune in next time to part two of this message to learn more about God's great fish and his plan for us. Thank you so much. Take care. God bless and amen. Today at the cafe, we would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow. Same time, same place.